Hello, my name is Ed Palmer and welcome to Is Me and Conversation. This podcast is all about advice for leaders of independent businesses. It works like this. I'll be asking my guests for the best pieces of advice that they've ever received in life as well as business and, crucially, the worst piece of advice. They'll also be sharing practical and implementable tips for business leaders. On this episode, we have Lindsay Domingo from Exena Consulting, who are specialists in organisational resilience. I'll leave it to Lindsay to explain a bit more in detail about what that means and Exena's approach to it. So welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Can you please start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your career to date? I know that you've been all over the world. Thanks, Ed, and really pleased to speak to you today. So I'm originally from Mauritius. I've lived and worked in five countries, and that includes the UK, as well as in continental Europe and emerging markets. So by background and training, I'm a chartered accountant and a certified information systems auditor. I've got around 30 years experience in consulting, of which I spent uh, 25 years, including leadership roles with two of the big four global accounting and consulting firms. Fantastic. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about Exena and what you do. Okay, so so Exena has been around for about 12 years, and Exena was basically the risk and assurance practice of one of the top 20 accounting firms here in the UK. So basically focusing on uh, information security audits, and the, most accounting firms have had a similar practice. Then further on down the line, it was acquired by a private equity firm, and it's been part of the Shearwater Group PLC, which is listed here in the UK since 2017. So in a nutshell, we offer three solutions, risk assurance, information security, and compliance. And these are all three are components of what we like to call organizational resilience. So this is about helping organizations to become more resilient in the face of risk, in the face of uh, challenges and issues. Risk assurance, for example, can take the form of providing independent assurance to boards, to uh, senior management, to the business partners you deal with, and, and, and to other stakeholders, basically giving them assurance that you've got proper internal controls and governance in place. Information security, so that's about addressing cybersecurity and data protection risks. So, for example, if your organization is processing card payment transactions, you want to make sure that nothing goes wrong there. And thirdly, compliance, that's about complying with legal and regulatory uh, expectations. So, so that's making sure that clients don't fall foul of those regulations because that could then have reputational damage and also could lead to fines and regulatory sanctions. The way we provide services to clients can take basically three main forms. So these could be discrete one-off consulting projects, but at the same time, we also offer managed services. What this means essentially is that outsourcing some of these processes to us, and that can be anything from a few hours a week to doing it 24-7. What are the threats that businesses need to consider in, in 2023? So businesses need to consider a broad range of risks. And so I like to think of a few. So one, one of them is strategic risks. So for example, if you have a new competitor entering your market, how, how does that impact your business? Another one is financial risks. So for example, what's the impact of interest rate increases on your, on your business plan? The, the next two, and, and those are the ones we tend to focus on more, are operational risks. So an example of an operational risk could be a failure in your IT system. 
or failure in your business processes, so you're not able to meet the requirements of your customers anymore. And the next uh, category of risk is compliance and regulatory risks. So, for example, being in breach of data protection regulations, being in breach of your financial services regulations. So, as I said, we at Exina, we focus primarily on operational compliance and regulatory risk. Can you give us some examples of companies that have benefited from your knowledge? Yes, absolutely. So, so, so I mentioned... In the, the range of clients we work with, so we worked, for example, with a charity that had some significant gaps in their data protection framework. And, and that charity was processing quite a lot of sensitive personal information. So what we helped them do is basically go back to basics and, you know, really map themselves back against the requirements and make sure we close these gaps in a very pragmatic manner to help them basically sort out the way they were handling the personal data, especially the sensitive special category data. So that's one. And and at the other extreme, we are working with the global uh, multinational that has several online retail stores. What we are doing with them is we are helping them strengthen their internal information security to basically minimize the risk of their data being accessed by either criminals or even insiders, but who should not be accessing that information. Brilliant. Thank you, Lindsay. Now, I've got all kinds of questions about data security, not least where should any given company start if they're a little bit overwhelmed by the prospect of of starting on a data security project? And we'll come to that. But first, a little diversion. Now, Ismi Co. is all about offering great business advice to business leaders, advice like you're offering at the moment, Lindsay. So this podcast is all about advice too. And the question that we ask all our guests is, can you please tell us one piece of great advice that you've received in your career or your life from colleagues or from your family? It can be anyone. I think the first one would be commitments are sacred. What this means is that you must always do your utmost to keep the commitments you're making because at the end of the day, it impacts your brand your credibility and the the quality of your relationships because trust is really important in business as it is in everyday life. So don't make commitments that that you cannot keep. Okay, so back to business organisational resilience. Can you give us an overview of the processes that businesses should have in place when it comes to data protection? So first of all, the very starting point is you need to understand, you need to have an inventory of what data you're processing, what are your data processing activities, whether it's payroll, you're processing personal data for payroll, whether you're using for marketing, because data is all around us. But that has to be the starting point because uh, that's the fundamental building block. And if companies don't have that, then then they don't know what they're doing and there's no way they're going to manage and control the data. So that's the starting point, having a clear inventory. And next to that, there are a few of the building blocks that you're required to put in place. That's stated in GDPR, that's stated in the Information Commissioner's Guidance. So these other pieces are you need to be transparent and generally that's achieved through having a privacy notice that basically tells data subjects what you're doing with their data, how you're collecting it, how long you're storing it for. Then you need to have some procedures in place for enforcing the rights of data subjects. So for example, they can submit a subject access request. You also need to have policies and procedures in place to prevent to assess and to report any data breaches because those things do happen in real life. You need to have a training program in place. You need to train your team 
on their obligations with respect to processing data. In addition to that, you are expected to undertake a number of risk assessments. So these are things called data protection impact assessments, transfer risk assessments. All these are requirements which you have to do. Unfortunately, it's not something we can avoid. You are required by the regulations to to undertake those. And last but not least, organizations, irrespective of this, need to have in place some information security controls to ensure the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability of the data that they are processing. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Typically, in a a small organization, whose responsibility is putting these systems and processes in place? The responsibility is right at the top. We can't just say, oh, it's the IT manager who has to deal with it. The drive has to come from the top. And of course, depending on the organization structure, it may be delegated to someone in information security or someone in IT. But the CEO, the owner, it has to come right from the top. Brilliant. Thank you. Now, one more question on data security. And it's a little bit flippant, possibly. But who is winning in 2023? Is it the data security professionals or is it data criminals? Who's winning? (laughs) I mean, the landscape is constantly evolving. So, however, the the criminals always seem to be a step ahead and the security profession has to try and keep up with them with new tools and techniques, for example, leveraging artificial intelligence in order to have better, stronger, more intelligent tools. But I would say, yeah, the criminals always seem to be a a few steps ahead. At the end of the day, no organization can be bulletproof. However much you invest in security, What you want to make sure is that your information security controls in your organization are robust enough to discourage the criminals so that then they will go and look elsewhere where it may be less difficult for them to find a security breach to get in. So Exina also helps with compliance. But because the risks are always evolving, do we have enough regulations in place to cover all the potential pitfalls? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say that not only are there evolving risks to data, but there are also new technologies uh, coming up all the time. Looking back at when and why GDPR was brought in in the first place in 2018. So it was brought in because the data protection framework at the time had been struggling to keep up with the extraordinary rise in computing power, as well as the internet. And already today, there are increasingly situations where we're finding it very complex and challenging to apply the the GDPR principles in practice. So GDPR is struggling, even though it's relatively new, it's already struggling in in some areas. So some of these areas could be when we look at the cross-border processing of data, that's becoming increasingly complex. And also with organizations all being interconnected, using new technologies, using AI, machine learning, when processing personal data, it becomes more and more difficult to comply with and to apply these these original principles of GDPR because those situations are new and complex and, and were not foreseen. So I would say that regulations also struggle a little bit to keep up. So regulations come in a bit afterwards. And, and I think that's, that's a little bit inevitable. And who polices this? If you're an organisation that does not comply with GDPR regulations, who is going to step in? Who's going to find you out? With data protection, the regulator is the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO in the UK. 
so they can perform investigations, but often that would be as a result of a complaint. I mentioned earlier, data subjects have a number of rights under GDPR, and if they feel that their rights are not being met, they can complain. I mean, they can complain to the organization. They can also complain to the regulator. Another, let's say, situation that might uh, alert the regulator could be, say, if you have had a breach, if you had a security breach, if you had a data breach, because you, you are under an obligation to report that to the regulator, and they may then undertake an investigation. In addition, depending on the sector in which you're operating, so for example, if you're operating in financial services, you, you come under the regulators as well, like the Financial Conduct Authority, and they would also be interested in what's happening in terms of your data security. Thanks, Lindsay. Now, let's come back for a moment to that overarching question about advice. You mentioned that your first piece of advice was to always make sure you meet your commitments. A second piece of great advice that you've received in your life or career, please. So this one comes from my background in professional services in consulting, which is always aimed to deliver exceptional client service. What this means is that you can never get complacent. Then you always strive to continuously improve, which, which I think personally is a, is a good mindset to have. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I also don't think that one needs too much explanation, so I'm not going to dig any deeper. We all absolutely need to be doing that as business owners. So you've mentioned this already, GDPR. So apologies if we're tracking back. GDPR was introduced with great fanfare. I'm sure we all remember it, I think in 2016. And I kind of naively assumed that any issues around data security were sewn up by the introduction of those regulations. Are you saying that's not the case? So in my experience, uh, many organizations are probably not as compliant today as they ought to be. And I think there may be a few reasons for that. So in 2018, a number of organizations adopted what I would call a tick box approach. And they did the minimum to meet the compliance deadline uh, without properly embedding the, the required practices and procedures. What this means is that having a policy written down is a good start, but it's probably not enough to make sure that on a day-to-day -day basis, people are doing the right thing. But I would say even for those who had a proper go at implementing GDPR, remaining compliant is an ongoing challenge because there are changes all the time. There are changes to the business. For example, you could have new activities, new business partners, new suppliers you're working with, but also the regulations themselves have evolved and additional clarifications have been provided over the last few years as new cases and technologies have emerged over time. So because of that, even those that may have been compliant in 2018, and we're working, as I said, with a range of organizations, even multinationals, and as well as uh, startups and small and medium businesses, I would say across all ranges of organizations, we find that many of the basic building blocks are not in place today. That is concerning, and that, that's also because, you know, change happens all the time. Even if you have a good framework, you have to maintain it. Are things more complicated if you trade internationally? Yes, absolutely. So international data transfers are probably one of the most complex areas of data protection regulation, and it's one which has evolved uh, in the past couple of years. There were a few well-publicized so-called SHREMS uh, court cases. So the fundamental principle is that you're only allowed to transfer personal data 
to another jurisdiction if it provides an adequate level of data protection. Essentially, what this means is you can share data with the UK, with the EEA countries, and a handful of other countries. Beyond that, you can only transfer personal data, you can only exchange personal data if there are appropriate safeguards in place. And these safeguards take the shape of things called binding corporate rules, standard contractual clauses, and now these need to be supplemented by something called a transfer risk assessment or transfer impact assessment. So those are relatively new. And because businesses are so interconnected and because we rely heavily on outsourcing, when you try and map the flow of data and what's actually happening, it's not very straightforward to determine what actually constitutes an international data transfer. And because of that, it becomes very, very tricky to analyze the data processing scenario and then make sure you actually comply with the requirements. So, so my advice would be to, to get advice if you're, if you're unsure. Okay, let's, let's build on that notion of the fact that so many business leaders will be unsure. When confronted with the requirements of compliance, of data protection, of those other elements of organizational resilience that you mentioned, business leaders can get snowblind. There's so much out there. There's so many things that they potentially need to consider that they don't know where to start. So have you any advice on the actions that business owners should take when it comes to starting to get their teeth into this? Yes, and there are two aspects here. So we have data protection, which focuses on personal data, and then we have information security. So in both cases, it is a journey, and it depends on where, you know, where the business owners are on their maturity journey in terms of data protection and information security. So if we were to start with information security, I would say you need to have the basic building blocks in place. And those are things like having antivirus software, patch management, looking at identity and access management, how you give access, who do you give access to, and how you control that access. Then other basic building blocks like having firewalls, segmenting your networks. And as these organizations become more mature, they can then give greater attention to some other components like incident management, information risk management, and governance. And then later on, they can focus on continuous improvement. So that's a maturity journey, but you have to start with putting the basics in place first. And similarly, when we're looking at at data protection, going back to the basics, as I I mentioned earlier, we have to start with basic inventory of understanding what personal data are you processing. Then you can apply the GDPR principles for each one of these processing activities. Say I'm looking at payroll or marketing or something else that I'm doing with data, I have to take each one and say, what's my lawful basis? Do I have a lawful basis to process that data legally? Am I being transparent with my data subjects? How long do I keep the data for? Is it secure? What do I have in place? So, And I would say in both cases, there are some basic building blocks. So it doesn't have to be everything at once, but it's something that can be done incrementally. And the good news is that there is help available from specialists like Exina, And um, it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg. We have things like, we call them virtual DPO services. It's a bit like a phone a friend service, basically, which can start from, you know, just a few hours of pragmatic support when you have an issue. Or it can go as much as being there 24-7. But uh, ultimately, the objective is, you know, providing that pragmatic support 
that you know business owners need to to move ahead uh, because it would not be realistic to expect all organizations to have you know dedicated full-time specialists to address these issues so if somebody's listening to this podcast they think yeah do you know what a, a conversation with Lindsay is going to help my organization out how do they contact you so just reach out to me on LinkedIn or just go to our website and they'll come straight to us. So, uh, Lindsay, thank you very much. My final question is the one that I warned you about. Everyone likes a bit of a disaster story. What is the worst piece of advice that you've ever received? Yeah, so I don't know if you've come across the television series. It was an American television series called MacGyver. <laughs> yes, I know MacGyver, yeah. Yeah, I think it was in the 80s. So so one of my former coaches at the time, who was American actually, uh, told me that I had to be like MacGyver. Uh, <laughs> so MacGyver, you know, was a hero capable of great improvisation and achieving the most extraordinary results and outcomes, basically on a shoestring budget. So very little equipment or time. Well, most of us are not MacGyver, or Superwoman, or Spider-Man, or whoever you, you relate to. I certainly am not, as I found out. So basically, you may get away with it a couple of times, but uh, you cannot consistently wing it or rely on performing heroics. So it's a very risky strategy. It's not reliable, and, and it's not sustainable. So you need to plan, you know, whether it's business or compliance projects and initiatives, you need to plan properly and realistically, and you need to have investment in infrastructure and by infrastructure you know whether it's technology whether it's people or external support but you need to have some minimal and to have a realistic planning to give you you know the best chance of, of achieving those results because very few of us are MacGyver. That's brilliant thank you very much. Lindsay Domingo of Exina thank you very much indeed for coming on Ismian Conversation. Ed thank you it's been a pleasure. So thank you very much, Lindsay. If you found Lindsay's advice and insights useful and you would like access to other experts covering all aspects of running a business, firstly, subscribe to this podcast, maybe leave us a nice review, and also head to ismianco.com where you'll find all kinds of advice for business leaders. Thank you very much indeed for listening. <laughs>